0: From the Financial Times in New York, I'm Amy Keene, and this is FT News. Canada welcomed hundreds of Syrian refugees this week as part of its overall plan to bring 10,000 Syrian refugees in by the end of this year and 25,000 by the end of February 2016. The FT's Ravi Matu has been reporting on this story from the capital city of Ottawa and from Toronto. He joins me now on the line from Toronto. Ravi, good to have you here. Great to be here. So Ravi, what's the mood been like? I get the sense that this is, its you know, its it's a proud moment for many Canadians
1: it's pretty extraordinary Um, I'm Canadian myself and coming back here there's a strong sense uh, that people are really getting engaged with this and really pulling together to get behind it. Um, During the election campaign, which ended in October and saw the sweeping majority election of Justin Trudeau as prime minister and his liberal party, um, during the election campaign, it was quite divisive where the conservative party that was in power was linking the refugee policy to uh, concerns about terrorism and Islamic uh, attacks on the country. And it was quite divisive between the two parties. And yet when the election occurred and the victory happened, everyone just kind of got on with it and, and is really trying to use it as a way of rallying the country. It's definitely kind of pretty optimistic and pretty positive, And lots of people are, are, are very excited about it. But it also comes on the back of the bigger context that people are quite pleased to see the former government and the former prime minister uh, depart from, from power. And so it's tied into that honeymoon period that the current government has.
0: And you caught up with the mayor of Toronto.
1: Yes. John Tory is the mayor of Toronto. He's from the Conservative Party. Um, And he kind of reflected this very positive messaging. Um, Toronto is a city where over half of the population comes from outside of Canada. And he just trumpeted both its economic benefits and actually the fact that Canada's experienced at doing this and doing it well.
0: The advantage is not denying
1: ourselves a chance to repeat history. And So if you look back at two that are in my mind, the Vietnamese refugees that came uh, 30 or 35 years ago, Today are the entrepreneurs, the lawyers, the professors uh, that are, you know, an important part of the fabric of this city and leaders in this city. And then, of course, there's the Ismaili uh, refugees who came sometime later and, again, uh, have plugged themselves in with a bit of support and, and nurturing all of these refugees have. And they form a fundamental part of who we are as Canadians. They're part of our success story. So why would you not want to take the opportunity to repeat that success again?
0: So these refugees have flown this week into cities like Montreal, Toronto, and in most cases, they're immediately bused to nearby community centers, libraries in some cases. They're receiving what they need to get set up, so social insurance cards, similar to a social security number, health cards, and so forth. But what happens next in terms of – I'm thinking in terms of housing, in terms of being integrated into a community?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's right. So, it's, it's worth being clear that so far, most of the refugees that have come are privately sponsored, which means community groups, uh, businesses in some cases, or families have arranged and, 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 been involved in their transfer to Canada, which means when they arrive, they don't go into social housing or government-assisted programs, but are immediately supported by the communities to which they're aligned. Um, it's worth also remembering that the Canadian government is, is making much of the fact that it's screening these refugees uh, in refugee camps in Lebanon, uh, Turkey and Jordan and giving them permanent residence sta- status before they arrive. This includes, as you say, social security number, uh, health insurance, etc., etc. and some of the benefits that you get from being a Canadian citizen. They argue this will make it quicker for them uh, to become Canadians and also plug into the, the labor market more quickly. And therefore, they say that encourages integration. So in terms of housing – um, there's a long tail here. In the short term, for the privately sponsored, it doesn't seem to be a big issue. But in terms of the longer tail for some of the government-sponsored ones, there are concerns about how people who have been on waiting lists for, for a long time to get low-cost housing might be affected. Uh, the government, for its part, um, has been very clear to say that those who are already on the list won't be disadvantaged. But it hasn't really spelled out exactly how it's going to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Right, right. So just going back to entering the labor force, John McCallum, so he's the Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Minister in Canada. He's he's talked extensively about the long-term economic benefit of large-scale refugee settlement in Canada. And as you said, many of these, at least the, the refugees that have arrived so far, are privately sponsored. And so there's an element of the sort of those community connections already being established. But what is that long-term economic plan to create job opportunities for these refugees. It's interesting.
1: What he said to me was that the regions where they have aging populations and therefore the need for for younger workers, such as British Columbia in the west, um, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, which are provinces in the east, were requesting uh, refugees in particular in terms of entering the labor market, their argument is the following, that Canada has a, a long history of welcoming kind of people in trouble, whether it's the Hungarians in the 1950s, uh, the Ismaili Muslims who were kicked out of Uganda uh, by Idi Amin in the 1970s. And they say that because there's a, a strong network of civil society, non-governmental organizations and support groups within communities, particularly for the privately sponsored ones, uh, there's kind of an uh, an ability to convert these people quite quickly and get them into the, the job force to, to to take jobs. Now, obviously, there are some concerns about the Canadian economy in places like Alberta, which rely on the, uh, the oil industry. The oil price falling has hit them quite hard. But nonetheless, I mean, economically, uh, one could argue that Canada is in a reasonably better place than many of its peers uh, elsewhere in the world.
0: Yeah, you you look at you know what's happening in Germany. You know, granted, there we're talking about thousands of people, thousands of refugees in Canada, and a million alone this year in Germany. But employment prospects in Germany are looking pretty grim, especially for for those skilled workers.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and if we extend that beyond beyond Germany as well, I mean, um, the, the government here has, has and it should be clear acknowledge that you know they face a very different issue. Um, Twenty five thousand is not nearly the numbers that are being taken in by say Germany, which uh, they applaud what what Angela Merkel has done, and they also make the point that you know people aren't walking over the border to get to Canada. It's a much more complicated process. Uh, but if you extend that further, I mean, look at a country like France where of course we saw the horrible attacks recently that some have tied to to questions of of movements of people Um, and economically that's in much worse shape even than than Germany. Uh, So there are challenges there but uh, again, I I guess the Canadian uh, government argues that it can cope with what is a relatively small number of refugees coming in, 25,000 is the goal by the end of February, Um, 35,000 by the end of next year and for a country that accepts about 300,000 immigrants a year, that's really not not a huge number. And therefore, I think they think they can absorb that without too much difficulty.
0: Do you think, get a sense that this positive outlook is going to last?
1: Well, it's, it's a really interesting point. I mean, I think uh, certainly there seems to be a lot of um, encouraging signs here that people are quite into it and, and supportive of it. And again, I, I speak of that honeymoon period, which the government has, and they have a window opportunity to, to make that work. But, you know, Mr. McConnell's comments to, to to the FT, he was very clear in in pointing out that this is a stark contrast to Canada's neighbours to the south. And also I spoke to Doug Saunders, who's the international affairs correspondent at the Global Mail newspaper, and is working on a big study uh, with the World Bank around immigration policy and what works in terms of immigration integration and doesn't. And certainly that strain of, of knee-jerk anti-Americanism could pose a risk uh, over the long term.
0: You, you can't underestimate the extent to which uh, wanting to appear superior to the Americans
1: is a driver of, of Canadian public politics. One more thing that Mr. Saunders said was was the risk that one or two of these twenty five thousand, if they say something untoward, say something uh, anti-Semitic or get into a bit of trouble, that could obviously have a ripple effect on on impressions of others. Um, obviously, this is a, you know we don't know if that's going to happen. And it's entirely possible that nothing like that will happen, but. It wouldn't take much for uh, the headlines to change, and obviously that would impact public support.
0: From your reporting, from the people you've spoken to, are there any long-term risks?
1: Well, I think there are two things. I mean, we talk about this honeymoon period. There, there's certainly the possibility that that window will close. So, you know, clearly not everyone in Canada is supportive of this. And The most recent poll that that, that I've seen said that 48 percent supported the government plan, but 44 percent were against it. So it's still – even though there's been a lot of rallying around in big cities like Toronto, uh, there is a little bit of uncertainty about that. Now, what's going to potentially get the government in trouble? I think two things. One, it's the messaging and the language. I think their bank of political capital is so large, there is a risk that hubris could set in and then mistakes will be made. And similarly, one wonders if the rest of the world, which so far has been incredibly positive and supportive, agencies like the UN have been um, lauding Canada for its approach. And certainly uh, from the headlines of Rob Ford, it's it's a, it's a change to have um, a positive, sunny message of Justin Trudeau uh, on the front pages elsewhere. But if they don't get that right, there's a chance that other countries might tire of being lectured uh, by plucky Canada. For the time being, it seems OK. But certainly that risk of hubris and loose lips getting them into trouble it, it is a very real one.
0: Ravi Mattoo in Toronto. You can read more on the story at FT.com. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks.